Thanks for watching our podcast. Here at Spear Consulting, our services include business strategy and human resources consulting. In HR, we offer executive search, executive coaching, and work psychology consulting. Please visit us at spiritmco.com, where we fulfill our clients' dreams virtuously. Enjoy your show. All right. Well, welcome back to the Leading Virtuously podcast. I'm ridiculously stoked to be able to have the guest that we have on today, Lou Judd. Lou, let's kick it off by answering the first question, which always is, who are you? So who am I? So first off, thanks for having me, Chris. So who am I? I'm the executive director of a, a nonprofit called Virtue Equals Strength. Live in Northern Kentucky near Cincinnati. I've been working with the organization for 16 years and married with six kids. Oh, yes. I am the fifth of six kids, so I know what that looks like. So thank you for, for being open to life in that way. I'm sure you guys have a bunch of crazy stories in that regard. Yes, many. I work at home, so you, you may hear some of those stories in the background during this podcast. <laughs> so very good, very good. And 16 years into leading this nonprofit, that is also phenomenal. So kudos to you for, for having the perseverance to, to fight through that. I know COVID has not been very kind to a lot of nonprofits, so I can only imagine what that must look like too. It has been an interesting, interesting journey, but, uh, but I love it. It's one that I'm very passionate about. So how did you get to the leadership position that you're in today, Lou? So I would say I was, as, as many men are, I was very influenced by a few different men in my life, primarily um, my head football coach when I was a freshman in high school had a tremendous impact on me. I went to a Catholic high school in New Jersey, and I was blessed to be coached by who is now the winningest coach in the history of this state. Wow. Won 20 state championships in 43 seasons. So he obviously knew his football, but he was also a, a, great, a great leader, and he was a great man of God, and he always taught us to always put God first. And it really resonated with me. And Throughout my life, that always, uh, I've always gone back to that. And I, I've had many different conversations with many different men that they, they've had similar stories, that they were very impacted in one way, shape, or form by a coach or a series of coaches that just uh, motivated them and inspired them in that way. So that was, um, that was one. Uh, more practically, it was networking through a number of different people that I had just known over the years, um, especially when I, I was in the seminary for a number of years. So I, I met a lot of different priests and, and business owners. And um, that's how I got connected with the, uh, the organization and uh, got in pretty much at the beginning. And then we've been working this together uh, like we said, for 16 years ever since. Wow. I'm curious, so were you, were you raised Catholic or was that something that you came into later in life or what did that journey look like? Yes, lifelong Catholic. Both of my parents, uh, yep, Catholic. Uh, went to public schools. 
through through fourth grade and then Catholic school, fifth grade uh, on up. So I know you, you talked a little bit, Lou, about this coach, but what, I guess, as you mentioned, 20 state championships and the, the most winningest coach in the state, that's crazy. So, so what was his, was part of his formula, the, the virtue that you're, you're working through now or, or what, what, yeah, what was kind of the, his secret sauce? Yes, I mean, very much so. I mean, he was definitely a stickler for details. Um, and so I, I remember, so this is before my freshman year. And he had something he he dubbed captain's practices. So the, the the men, the seniors who were going to be captains for the upcoming football season would lead us in what was basically conditioning. Um, and I remember at the very first session, coach saying, Well, gentlemen, it's it's good that you're here because you're either going to suffer now or you're going to suffer at camp but suffering will be had. So any kind of chuckled and laughed. And yes, um, I suffered, I suffered both. I suffered during captain's practice and I suffered in camp as well. But, um, but so it was this combination of, of hard work. Um, he was very, very strict on some particular rules and he, he emphasized fundamentals to a degree that was, I mean, incredible, but he, he made you see very quickly how important those fundamentals were. If you focused on the very, very important things. And I've seen that play out in many other coaches. Um, my dad was a high school basketball coach most of my life. So I have a a great love for listening to coaches. And I remember reading an interview once of coach Bob Latisor, who is the, the famous head high school football coach of De La Salle High School in California that won 153 games in a row. And one person asked him, well, what was the, I mean, how do you know it, it, how to win so often? And he, he paused and then he basically stated, well, I can basically sum it up in, in, in one phrase. If our offensive linemen are planting our second foot before their defensive line is standing up and planting their first, we will always win. Wow. <laughs> and so, well, they won, they won a lot. And so that was similar to what, uh, but the beauty about the way coach did it and how he was inspiring with me with regard to it being Catholic was that he was constantly talking about it. So there's like, there's a lot of men, a lot of coaches that I've encountered now or, or business leaders that, well, yeah, I, my job is to do X and I do X really well, but this whole faith and virtue stuff no, 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 that, that, that's over there. And well, coach wasn't like that. He did both. And he talked about both all the time. And he really, he really emphasized it. And he was very good at it. And I think in the end, blending the two, because they're not mutually exclusive. It's actually, it's, it's the opposite. The more virtue 
and faith and love for God and passion you have for the good and the right things, the good, the true, the beautiful, well, the more successful you're going to be. And obviously Coach did that because he, he was very successful. Um, so yeah, so just many, many different stories and examples of how he inspired. So Lou, what, what challenges do you solve for organizations with your organization? So our, our primary purpose is working with schools. So we have a, a, a virtue program. So our, our three pillars are virtue, ceremony, and Catholic identity. So we primarily work with Catholic schools. We have worked with public schools in the past as well. And I would love to, to continue working with them, but we don't shy away from saying that we're Catholic on our website. And ever since we were a little bit more bold in stating that on the front page, uh, the phone calls stopped. So that's kind of, um, it's kind of sad. It kind of shows the extreme atheism that has pervaded our country and pervaded our public education system. So we strive to help, help schools teach these things a little bit more intentionally. So virtues are taught in schools. Most teachers and coaches do this, but there's, um, but if you have a system, just like anything else, and you're intentional and you're programmatic, then you're going to get more done. You'll, you'll teach virtue more, you'll dedicate more time to it, you'll, you'll do it better in essence. And that's, uh, in a nutshell, that's what we, we provide for schools. So you've been in this now for 16 years. I'm sure you have some great case studies of that working out well for an organization that puts this into practice. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, so one, one story that immediately comes to mind was there was, there was a high school uh, in Georgia that I went to visit. This was, <clears throat> this was four years ago. And so the football coach wanted nothing to do with this. This is kind of a long story, but it's, I think it really shows the power on many different levels of, of what we do. So this was kind of an old school coach. He wanted no part of what we were bringing to the table. So one of the ceremonies that we have, we call it our, our father-son jersey ceremony. And it's, it's meant to be at the beginning of the season. It could be father-son, could be father-daughter. There's many different ways to, to modify this, but for this story. So basically, you're inviting all of the dads of the boys on the football team who come together one evening before your first game. And each dad is going to stand up and present the jersey to their son. And it's an affirmation ceremony. So you're going to tell your son that you love him, that you're proud of him what he's great at. You're going to brag on your son. You're going to make him feel like a million bucks. You're going to bless your son with this tremendous memory. And so coach didn't want to do it. And he was adamant, but the athletic director was, he stood strong and basically told him that we're doing it and you better be there um, if you want a job on Tuesday night. So oh. the athletic director organized it. Head coach. That's always helpful to be able to have the buy-in from the from the leadership pushing the thing so that if you get pushed back, you're like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So coach shows up. Coach is kind of red-faced. He's in the corner. 
his all of his body language is I don't want to be here. I want to go home as soon as possible. Don't touch me or talk to me. I'm mad. The ceremony is going on. It's awesome. It's going extremely well. But at the very end, there are these two brothers. There's a freshman and a senior. And their dad had passed away very tragically about five years prior. Oh, wow. And now, normally, the head coach prepares the ceremony. We have lots of different steps that you do to avoid what, ha- what happened. So no one knows who's going to present the jersey to these two boys. But then all of a sudden, the two boys stand up, and the freshman starts presenting to the senior. And he's doing an incredible job. He's like the best dad of the night. He's, he's 14. And then all of a sudden, coach stands up, walks to the front. The athletic director is like hyperventilating. (laughs) What's he going to do? He gets to the front, takes the jersey from the freshman. He presents both jerseys to the boys, does an incredible job. And then he goes, okay, I I want everybody to come up front. Picture this. There's like probably 70 guys between dads and players in this room. And he's inviting them all up front. I want you all to come up front. And I want you to put your hands on the heads and shoulders of these two boys. And we're going to pray that God gives them the strength to carry the cross of having lost their father. Mm. And so they do. There isn't a dry eye in the room at this point. Mm. And then he goes, now we're going to pray for the repose of the soul of their dad. And so they do. And so now the event is over. Everybody's leaving. The athletic director is just like, he's dying to talk to coach at this point. He's like, what what happened? But right before he can get there, the senior in question who had lost his dad, he's kind of waiting behind and he goes up to coach. Coach, I I really want to thank you for, for doing this tonight. Um, I didn't, I didn't know whether I wanted to come or not, but I'm really glad that I did because, and he, he just breaks down. He just starts sobbing. He's like, coach, I miss my dad so much. And what really stinks about it is I can never talk with anybody about it because everybody's always afraid that they're going to make me feel worse for bringing up my dad. And so I don't think I've ever had any closure. I don't even know if I know what closure is, but I've had this this hole in my heart for the past five years. But when you had everyone come up tonight and pray over us like that, I, I feel different. I, I feel a peace that I have never felt before. And I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful. And Coach just like engulfs him. Huge hug. And then he goes, do you know why I came up front? No, no, sir. I, I don't. Here's where it is. I lost my dad hmm. when I was in high school that hole in your heart that you've been feeling, 
I've been feeling for 25 years. Hmm. And that's why I didn't want to do this ceremony because I thought it was going to tear you two up. But then when I saw what your brother was doing, I saw that this was an opportunity for healing that I never had. And I just, I didn't hear a voice. I didn't see anything, but I just felt God tell me, get up and go to the front. And so I got up and I walked up front and I swear I had no idea what I was going to say or do. And it just kind of, just kind of happened. Hmm. So they hug again. Athletic director can finally get to coach. And right before he can say anything, coach turns around and goes, Ricky, I owe you an apology. Hmm. I was totally wrong about this. This was one of the best things I've ever been a part of in my football life. Anything else sports leader or virtue equal strength has, I'll do it. I'm in. And he, and he walked away. So this particular team is extremely talented. This is probably the most talent-wise football. They have 11 major Division I scholarship guys on their team. Hmm. This is the most talent they've had in school history. And it's game three, I think, and they've already lost like two games. And everybody's like, what? what is going on? I mean, we're, we're losing to teams we shouldn't be losing to. So athletic director pulls the coach aside and he goes, you know, I don't, I don't know what, it, there, there's something here that, that we're missing because we're getting all sorts of unsportsmanlike like penalties. The guys are arguing. I don't think we're doing the virtue of the week like we're supposed to. I have a teacher who's willing to help. I want all the guys in his room after school every Monday, rest of the season for 20 minutes. You good? I'm good. So Monday, they went in to this particular teacher's room and he gives all of the players an index card. And he goes, gentlemen, you all are the most talented football team this school has ever had. You're a 10 as far as talent wise, but you're not playing like a 10. And nobody seems to know why. I want you to write down what number you think we're playing at. And I want you to write down why. Don't put your name on. This will be anonymous. So everybody does. He collects the cards. Basically looks through the cards and the average number is a four. We're playing like a four. All right. Nobody wrote down a reason. Why are we playing like a four? Crickets. Nobody will talk. He kind of sits down, crosses his legs, gets comfortable. Gentlemen, um, I have all day. Uh, we're going to have this conversation. So seniors, stand up. Tells the seniors, stand up. Okay, what, why are we playing like a four? What happened? There's this long pause, but finally one kid says racism. The coaches, everybody in the room is racism. What, what, are, you, what are you talking about? Again, long, awkward pause. Nobody wants to talk, but the kid says, you know, well, now two weeks ago, before the coaches got to the weight room on Monday, white offensive lineman and black running back said this, that, and the other thing, and, and they got into a fight. But there was somebody in the hallway 
and we shut it down before any of the coaches came in. Hmm. And ever since then, I'm pretty sure all the whites hate the blacks and all the blacks hate the whites. And so then the teacher goes, gentlemen, is this true? Majority of the room shaking their heads. All right. So then they start talking through it. They start talking through it. And finally, he goes, all right. One of the ceremonies is a forgiveness exercise. I think we need some forgiveness. You two willing to forgive one another? He's talking to the offensive lineman and the running back. The offensive lineman says he stood up and he goes, yes. But I need to apologize. He turns around to his teammate and he apologizes. And the running back does the same. This probably goes on. There's 20 or 30 different guys that start. They all start apologizing to one another. And so long, longer story, much shorter. This gels the team. They won three state championships in a row. Hmm. Like they didn't lose for like almost four years. Wow. Yeah. Granted, it's not just because of this. Like I said, very talented football team, outstanding players, lots of skill, etc. But just having the skill and the talent and all of that wasn't getting it done. It wasn't creating a team. So this is an example of how, whatever, through prayer, through ceremony, through virtue, through leadership, communication, relationship building, you can take a situation that is good and you can make it a lot better. That's a beautiful story. So thank you for sharing that, Lou. So, yeah, I... as the typical format is that I would ask you a question about where business and virtue intersects for you. <laughs> and uh, I mean, that's, that's everyday life. And I, I guess the question that keeps just resounding in my head is, is about what you feel is like the future of, of, of your program. And then also like how virtue has an opportunity to play itself out in, in both society and then also in, in the Catholic school system, which as you mentioned, that's kind of like where your, your vein of, of the work that you do is. Well, it's a, I mean, it's a very good question. I mean, I, I hope that there is a promising future for it. It's something that's, I mean, we can all see it, it, it's definitely needed. I mean, I, I loved when you reached out. I loved even the name of the podcast, I mean, Virtue, Leadership, and the two together. The lack of those things are what is tearing our country apart. Hmm. I mean, we're we're literally imploding because the adults in our country have the absolute incapacity to talk with one another, to relate to someone in a respectful and charitable and humble way with someone who maybe you have a difference of opinion on, to be able to amiably disagree on something without it rising to name calling, violence, threats, canceling, but just respectfully recognizing, all right, you, you like the color, I like the color green and, and, and you don't. It's like, well, 
okay, we don't, but we don't, we don't have this anymore. So it just, it shows that, well, it really hasn't intentionally been taught for a long time in school. I mean, where you really get after it and you name it. Okay, this is, this is charity. This is humility. This is respect. Okay, this person is reacting in this way because they felt like they were disrespected. You hurt their pride. You were not humble or forgiving or sacrificial. They're reacting like this because of that. If you would have reacted in this way, and if so, if we teach kids this, help them to see this, help the parents, okay, we all need to discuss these things at home. React to it better. Just don't consume everything, media, games, commercials, movies, all of those things, okay? Analyze, reflect on it. What's going on there? What are the pros and the cons? And learn how to deal and treat one another more respectfully. I mean, because ultimately, I mean, the golden rule, I mean, treat, treat others the way you want to be treated. Okay, we're not doing it. Hmm. And because we're not doing it, we're imploding. And the further we go down this road, I mean, it just leads to more violence, um, which no one wants. I mean, no one wants a more violent, less peaceful society. So if we don't want to keep going down there, then these are opportunities um, that we have. And so at times, sacrifices need to be made that you need to maybe, okay, because no one has time. No one has time. No one has time. It's like, well, yeah, you have to make time. You make time to do this right, then um, better things happen. Yeah, I wonder also if, if there's a component of... <clears throat> wounding that's in there too for instance even your own story about the coach and his misguided response to the opportunity that was in front of him that that like we just get pounded upon when 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 you have some form of of wounding going on at home that it's hard to it's hard to like break through that and 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 sometimes do the most loving and virtuous thing that because like you feel like you know, you're, you're like, you're in, in essence, like your, your own journey and, and how you feel almost like dirty in a sense, or, you know, in the Catholic term, sinful, that that is stopping you from being able to make that shift and make that transition. But as you've, you know, beautifully communicated today, Lou, like when you, when you start to put virtues at the center of your operating system, life just becomes so much more blessed in such an easier way and your relationships start to take off and you can have such more dynamic relationships that only bring more fruit into your life, which is not the only reason to do it, but in essence, by having these better relationships while having more virtuous and, and loving relationships in your life, life becomes that much easier and more uh, fulfilling and, and joy-filled. Um, so, so Lou, you know, ultimately, though, I do feel like sometimes people may look at the two of us and be like, oh, whatever, those two Catholic boys, whatever, you know, like they think they're so pious, etc. And I'm just curious if if in your own life, you know, because the opposite of, of virtue is vice. And I'm just kind of curious if 
in your own life you had what vices have you had to overcome in order to to be the man that you are today well there's <laughs> there's plenty um yeah there's um there's a lack of forgiveness at, at times uh, holding grudges um there's pride um an inability to see things from the other side from a from another's perspective so there's we we all have them and like you said we all have the wounds um we've all been hurt in one way shape or form or misled and i think it's just at the end of the day we just have to make it a priority to all right let's let's stop blaming criticizing complaining about a b and c that happened to me in the past um because i'm sure you have a b and c that happened to you in your past it's like well let's let's stop there okay well how how can we make this better some situations you can't make better but you can move on from them and not let them control your life um or let them let your past rule you your past doesn't rule you you can you can lead your future so if you take so if you're a leader in a leadership position of a school of a business and you know what the priorities are well then get the priorities done so like i i talked to one school once and they oh well no the we just don't have the money and this that and the other thing and it's like this is this school had more money than 90 <laughs> they're one of the wealthiest schools in the country but they don't have the money was on the back that they didn't have the money like, they don't have the priority i mean they have 27 ap classes at their high school and they probably want three four or five more and it's yeah. just like well it's like your priorities are wrong there's nothing wrong with having adding those other AP classes but it's just like you're not getting done the purpose of why your school exists so until you get that solved you know forget about adding three more AP classes it's like you you go back to the fundamentals to the purpose the objective of what your your school or what your company was built around what you're there for and if you solve that and you do that well well then more things will come into place and you'll feel a whole lot better about it because most like that's why you got into it um in the first place yeah the uh the scripture verse comes to mind about building your house on sand that in essence if you try to build up these kids into you build up kids build up society build up anyone if you're a business owner etc and your fundamental core principles are wrong and the reason why you're doing it are wrong, then no matter how much you try to build up, at some point it's going to self-implode. So I think that uh, the more that you can specifically choose your, 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 your mission and vision statement and values of the organization and, and really lock those in and make a commitment to it, the more that you're only going to be able to keep building upon that as your program expands as well. So, so thank you for, for being uh, vulnerable and, and candid and sharing in that way, Lou. And, and I think that, uh, you know, I, I, I love the fact that you're just honest and brutally honest about like the fact that, you know, it is a journey and that you don't have all the answers and, 
there is still a lot of stuff that you have to to work out as well and yeah so that was a very humble response it was uh yeah i i enjoyed it so lou how can people get a hold of the work that you're doing um in in your organization so i mean our, our website right now is uh, sportsleader.org and info at sportsleader.org is uh, is a good email so if you visited there and you uh, sent an email, uh, I think that would be the easiest ways to, to get a hold of us. Great. Well, uh, really enjoyed having you on the Leading Virtuously podcast today and look forward to continuing the dialogue with you as well, Lou. Thank you, Chris. God bless you. Thanks for all your work. Absolutely. Hey, Chris here. Hope you enjoyed the episode where we discussed all things going bald. <laughs> Just joking. The Leading Virtuously podcast. If you enjoyed the episode and the podcast, will you please subscribe on YouTube or Apple Podcasts or Spotify? Or you could also share it with a friend. That would be tubular. I hope you have an awesome day.